Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Amy, and I'm one of the pastors here. And today we're continuing our sermon series on the way of the cross, where we've been looking at these final stories from Matthew's gospel. In these stories, Jesus is approaching the end of his life, and these are some of his last recorded acts, the last recorded stories he tells and words he teaches. And so we've been asking, what does Jesus have to say to us as he approaches his cross, his suffering, and his death? How is Jesus inviting us to follow him there? But before we get into today's parable, I have a little story about it. Some of you know that for many years, we used to rent out the basement bedroom in our house. And that's just part of how we could afford to have a house in Arlington. And there was a guy that lived there for a few years who we really loved. You get really close when you share quarters in a small house. But a guy that I'm going to call Jacob this morning. And while he was living with us, Jacob's uncle died. And Jacob was making arrangements to go to the funeral. But he told me, and he knew I was a pastor, he told me he was feeling really nervous about it. Because it had been such a long time since he had been in a church and he was not eager at all to step inside one again. Jacob was totally disgusted by the hypocrisy and the self-righteousness that he had seen in the church and experienced when he was younger. And so he had gotten out of there as quickly as he could and not looked back. And then as an adult, he had been working in conflict zones and he had seen some of the worst cruelest, most hateful things that people do to one another in the name of God. And he just wanted no part of it. And who can blame him? Well, Jacob did go to his uncle's funeral. And when he did, he came home fuming. The scripture that the pastor had chosen was the parable that we just heard, the one about the 10 bridesmaids. And the pastor had used that opportunity to warn any non-Christians in the room that Jesus was coming back, and if they didn't get their acts together, Jesus was going to shut the door in their face. And to Jacob, this just seemed so manipulative. To take this moment with a captive audience who are grieving and vulnerable and to pronounce condemnation over them, he was so mad. He was like, why not offer us some comfort? We are grieving here. Why not give us some hope? And if Jesus coming back is really supposed to be good news, why doesn't it sound like it? Or if you really think that you have to preach a word of judgment on this day of all days, then why not aim it at yourselves, you giant group? of hypocrites. Well, I really think every pastor would be well served to have a skeptic who lives in the basement and just tells things like they are. And I always think of Jacob when I read this parable. I think about his grief and his anger and his confusion, and I really think he was on to something here. As we get into the scripture today, I want to invite the skeptic in the basement who is mad at the church to read it alongside us, to help us see and hear. Because this parable is being given to Jesus' disciples, 
to his inner circle. It's a word of warning to those who think they are insiders, invited guests to the wedding feasts, the bridesmaids. And there is a word of judgment here. There's no way around that. There's no way I can take the sting out of it. But that judgment is aimed at us, us, the church, us who call ourselves the followers of Jesus, us, this giant group of hypocrites, us who so often let our lamps go out when the wait is long. And there is a long tradition of judgment being preached to God's people to the insiders, to the wedding guests. It's the tradition of the prophets. And Jesus is a Jewish prophet. And when he's preaching this parable in Matthew, he's stepping into that prophetic tradition. And so I actually want to spend a moment today with the prophets before we get to the parable in Matthew, just to help us see what's happening here. And our lectionary, that's the schedule of Sunday readings that we follow in our tradition. Our lectionary gave us today a passage from the prophet Amos. And Amos is speaking about something called the day of the Lord. This was supposed to be the day when God would rise up and vanquish his enemies, when he would judge and destroy evil once and for all, when he would finally restore and vindicate his people. And this image gets picked up all throughout the prophets. And then again, later in Matthew's gospel, in the other gospels, and in all of the New Testament, according to scripture, this is where history is heading. And now, understandably, the people of Amos's time were longing for this day. They were longing for God to restore them, longing for God to destroy their enemies that were all around them and to set the world right once and for all. But Amos says, be careful what you wish for. Don't be so sure you're on the right side of God's judgment. The way he puts it is this. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? And God tells his people through Amos that he's closing up his nostrils to their offerings. He's closing up his ears to their songs. He says, you've kept your religious rituals. Sure, great. You are really good at doing liturgy. But all those rituals were there for a reason. They are meant to remind you and to make you who you are. You are my chosen and rescued and beloved people. You were meant to bless the world. You were meant to be a picture of my goodness for all the world to see. But you have failed to let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And so the day of the Lord will be one of darkness to you and not light. That is the prophetic tradition that Jesus is stepping into as he preaches this parable about bridesmaids and oil and lamps that have gone out. Like all of those prophets before him, Jesus is reminding people of the God they have been called to follow, of the way of life that God has given them to righteousness and justice, and every word Jesus has taught them from now until the day when he sets the world right. 
So with all that background from the prophets in mind, let's look at this parable from Matthew. And in this parable, we have 10 bridesmaids, and it seems like they are supposed to be part of some sort of lamplit procession with the groom into the wedding feast. And liturgically speaking, I think this sounds like a very cool wedding thing to do. And in fact, I'm available for all your lamplit wedding feast officiant <laughs> needs. But this wedding feast that they are going toward, we actually preached about another parable of a wedding feast a few weeks ago. It's this picture that is often used in scripture for the end of all things. It's another way of imagining the day of the Lord. And Jesus has been telling his disciples for a whole chapter of Matthew's gospel right before this parable that there will be a day that he returns as judge and establishes his kingdom. And all of the New Testament, all of his parables are looking toward this day of his return, this day when death and evil is destroyed, when tears and sorrows are no more, and again, when justice flows like a mighty river and God in his peace and goodness reign. That's the wedding feast that they are invited to. And so naturally in this parable, the groom is Jesus, the one who has just been telling them he is going to return and do these things. But the groom is delayed, and the wait is longer than anyone expects, and so the bridesmaids all go to sleep, and no one faults them for that in this story. But deep in the middle of the night, they get woken up with a loud cry that tells them, the groom is finally here. And that's when five of the women realize they didn't bring enough oil, and their lamps are not going to be able to be relit to go out into the night. And that's when this parable, for me, turns into a version of the nightmare I have every Saturday night, when I realize I don't have something liturgical that I need, my book of common prayer, my stole, or the worst is anything resembling a sermon. And I'm running around in my dreams trying to find it, and the clock is ticking, and the procession is waiting right there, and the musicians are playing, and I'm just not ready. And that's what happens here. The women realize they don't have oil, and the groom is here, and it's time to go. And so first they ask the other women, but those women need it for their own lamps. Someone has to light the way, and they're trying to be faithful to the tasks that they were given. So they say no. So these oilless women run out into the streets trying to find a 24-hour oil vendor who can sell them some, but they can't find one. And they miss the procession, and they miss the entry to the wedding feast, and by the time they get there, the door is shut. They can't get in. And Jesus ends this parable saying to his disciples, Keep watch, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And this parable serves as a warning to them that the wait for his return might be long, that the, might, the night might grow really dark in the waiting, but that they have to keep watch. They have to keep their lamps lit. And this image of lit lamps shows up earlier in Matthew's gospel when Jesus was telling his disciples that they are the light of the world, telling them to keep their lamps lit, let them shine so that all may see their good works and give glory to their Father in heaven. Jesus has called us, he has called his disciples, he has called all who follow him to be faithful to the good works that he taught them, even through the long night. It's actually a really simple set of instructions. But in this parable, just like in real life, there's a huge mix of responses to that call. Some of the bridesmaids have oil and some don't. 
Some were prepared for a long wait and some weren't. Some have what they need to get through the uncertainty and some don't. This is a theme that runs all through Matthew's gospel. It's something that he's actually really interested in and so he tells every story he can where Jesus tries to explain it. That within the church, within the followers of Jesus, there are faithful and unfaithful people all mixed up together. And the parable here imagines those as bridesmaids with and without oil, but we can think of lots of other parables that give different names to this, sheep and goats together, wheat and tares or weeds together, wise and foolish servants, wedding guests with and without the proper garments. In all these places, Jesus is trying to prepare his disciples for this sad reality that until he returns, the church really will be as full of hypocrites as our housemate Jacob thought it was. It really will be this messed up mix of faithful and faithless people. People who live by what Jesus taught them and people who don't. And we don't have to think long to know what a tragedy this is. Some of you have experienced the tragedy of this and it has really hurt. It's a tragedy when Jesus' followers fail to keep their lamps lit when they fail to light the way to the wedding banquet, when they fail to illuminate the goodness and mercy of the God who's calling the world to feast with him. And our housemate Jacob's disillusionment with that makes sense. And yet none of this surprises God. God's wisdom is beyond our wisdom. He understands what we can't understand. His view of time is so much longer than ours. And he has this infinite patience with our humanity. The groom has delayed his coming. Some of the bridesmaids have run out of oil. Only God knows why he let that happen. Only God knows the day and the hour when he will return to judge all our unfaithfulness and to make things new. So until then, we keep watch. We keep our lamps lit. We keep our eyes on that far horizon of God's kingdom, of that wedding banquet, that day of the Lord. We live like that reality, that kingdom is true, truer and more real than this world. We do that by living the way Jesus taught us to live, even when the night feels really long. And we also do that by allowing the judgment of this parable to come to us, this giant group of hypocrites. Jesus' words are meant to pierce us when we find ourselves without oil, when our lamps have gone dark and we've lost sight of the coming feast, all the times we've failed to let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And if we're honest with ourselves and if we're letting the scriptures really speak to us, then we all find ourselves pierced by this judgment from Jesus. But that moment of judgment is also the moment where we encounter his mercy. Because even though Jesus was preaching judgment in the tradition of the prophets, Jesus was more than a prophet. Jesus was God in the flesh, And Jesus bore all of God's judgment of all of our unfaithfulness on the cross. And Jesus gave us his righteousness. He let his own lamp be snuffed out so that ours could be lit.
So I'm going to pray for us as we close. Lord, let us be judged by this parable. Sort us out. Sort me out. Lord, forgive and heal all our faithlessness, all our forgetfulness, our impatience, our hypocrisy, our unrighteousness. And then Jesus, light of the world, come and rekindle our lamps. Make us lights in the world. Help us live the way you taught us. Bring us all to the wedding feast, us and our neighbors and the skeptics in the basement. And Lord, heal the harm that's been done in our unfaithfulness. Heal and repair all the ways we have hurt people, all the ways we have obscured who you are and hidden the way to your feast. Purify your church, Lord. Purify me. Would you light the way and drive out the darkness? Amen.